This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to the Renegade Report. I am Jonathan. And Ramon is present, and I've got allergies, so excuse me. You've got allergies, and we're recording from my jazz club as well today. Well, yeah, it's, it's back. If, if the listeners do hear, it's background music. They're recording right next door here. But uh, nevertheless, we haven't been in the studio in quite a while, Jonathan. Um, we not, haven't. You've been nothing, having a good time. Nothing much has happened, as far as I'm aware. Well, I mean, I, the, the looting is, continues. But it's really. not, that's not much anymore, right? It's like only 90,000 rand on KFC. 90,000 KFC, 60 billion at ESCOM, something like that. You know, nothing nothing big. And the people who stole get elected to the Gauteng ANC's NEC. Oh, well, it's not wonderful. only that. We've got um, uh, Gidani Mahlangu, who got uh, also elected to that EXCO uh, after being overseeing life as a Dimeni. Oh, is this new dawn is just fantastic. It, I it, want Jacob it, Zuma back. <laughs> Some people actually have been saying that, and it, it is it is. It is a fair argument. As I said a few weeks ago, he was on a mission to destroy the ANC. And unfortunately, they took him out before he could. But who knows? Let's see the elections in KZN next year. Hopefully a lot of violence. If, if not everyone is dead from election violence, you mean? What's worse? Having election or not having an election because everyone's dead? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Right. So... Uh, to discuss not really the politics of all of this, but certainly the economics, because the country is in a lot of economic trouble. I think uh, you'd have to be blind to deny that or an ANC member. Um, and we've got an economist don't, in studio. No, sorry, sorry. Don't, don't demean the blind. Like that. <laughs> it, that's not a disability compared to being that, an ANC That is blind member. shaming. You're correct. It's Indeed. blind shaming. So we've got an economist in studio this week, a gentleman we've been trying to get into studio for a while. He's a busy man. Um, you hear him uh, a lot on many other platforms, but we've got him exclusively for as long as we want because we've got the key to the door. Uh, Mark Schussler from economist.co.za. Um, and uh, as I said, well known on many platforms. I'm sure you've heard his voice before. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Jonathan. Right, so, so I, mean, I just want to get into it. I want an AMF, IMF bailout immediately, so that the IMF can say, you know, you can only steal twenty percent, not eighty percent. Um, do you think that will happen anytime soon? <laughs> no, there's oh. there's a very big reason why it's not going to happen. We actually got some good news stories. We're actually a capitalist nation in the first place, and I don't think people realise this. Um, we've got the um, eighth biggest. Uh, pension fund assets in the world in U.S. dollar terms. We're bigger than Germany. Um, we're, it's one of the reasons why the JSE is the 17th biggest stock exchange still out there. And it is really a very big thing if, if we look at that. And it is, there are 16.5 million accounts that own those pension funds. Now, that doesn't mean people, but it's probably about 12 million people. How I got there is the FSB says there's about 11 million uh, that paid in over uh, the last while, and then there's 920,000 pensioners. And we do know that there's about 4.5 million um, accounts that are dormant. In other words, a person that's lost their job or uh, uh, moved from one job to another, 
And uh, I think it's around uh, a 12 million account. So if you've got 12 million people owning this economy, um, there's a lot of money there. And in GDP terms, it's the fifth largest in the world. And people are always surprised by this because, you know, people haven't thought this through. So they make these statements, I'm going to nationalize, I'm going to do this. Or people say, well, the IMF is going to come bail us out. Now, the IMF has certain rules. If we have a, a, a current account deficit, they may still come and bail us out. But the problem is when the IMF comes and bails you out, they're going to say, well, we're going to uh, give you some things that you're going to have to do. Uh, you're going to have to clean up the corruption. You're not going to spend that much on state uh, uh, employees, for example. You're not going to give them pay increases. They already get too much. And they'll have a look at your whole economy, and they'll give you what you've got to do to fix it. And, Damn capitalists. Yeah, and if you're the real capitalist behind the – I mean, uh, you know, it's people who are for themselves in, 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 in many cases in government, if you wish, you know, which is the ultimate thing of capitalism. They're not, they're not, they're not looking at redistributing to the poor. They're looking at redistributing to themselves. And uh, so they would take that and they'd say, no, I don't want this. So what you do is you change the rules. Now, at the moment, we, they've been very kind to us and they've given us 30% that we can take offshore and only 25% needs to be in bonds. And that's not a rule that you have to go and take to Parliament. The Minister of Finance or whatever can just change it. It's a regulation. That's now the, the, the law is already enacted, so he can change the numbers. So what if I just say right now we only have to borrow more money, and uh, all pension funds will be required to have fifty percent in bonds, and you can only have ten percent of that bond money in another country. So forty percent has got to be here. You've got a captive audience. Automatically, because it's very similar to our GDP, our pension funds, automatically you can carry 40% debt to GDP. That's what you can do overnight. And if you need to change the rules again, you make it 70%. Aren't we carrying about 40 42, 43% currently? No, it's about 53, but um, our pension funds are the biggest holders of that. But we've also got foreigners here. We have um, private individuals or um, other you know, forms of mutual funds that are not part of pension, like a unit trust or whatever, mm. that would also have it. And banks. Um, banks, uh, obviously, are large holders of bonds um, because they have money coming in and flowing into their things daily. And so some of that money they put into higher yielding assets. If you uh, look at your normal bank account, you're probably earning one or four or five percent. Um, why don't they just keep some of that money? And when the shopkeeper banks the money with them, when you spent it, it's there again. So they keep some of that money constantly at eight, nine percent or whatever the yield is in a, a, a one or a two year or a 10 year bond from government or ESCOM. Um, so that's one thing. And there will always be. And there always have been international people uh, that like uh, uh, the higher yields that the emerging markets bring. So, yes, we'll probably uh, have to change the rules and uh, uh, the pension funds will you know, be big investors. But the minute that we do that, then the international investor will again feel a bit more calm because he'll say, all right, South Africans are still 80% owners of their own bonds. You know, that other 20%, they're not going to, you know, nationalize as debt. They're going to impoverish themselves. If they do that, then, uh, you know, here we are. Well, what's the straw that breaks the camel's back then? Well, I think there's... At which point can you not keep sort of funding your own debt into oblivion? 
I mean, the government can print money. The Uh, government can print money, and then we have the Venezuela situation or the Zimbabwe uh, situation. But here the government hasn't printed money. I must say the Reserve Bank has been uh, pretty active in in Mm. managing things. Uh, Maybe, you know, uh, people don't like the Reserve Bank, but I think they've been, uh, uh, in, in the whole picture, they've been pretty good. But here's the thing that breaks the camel's back that we don't think of anymore. Um, we've got the wrong politics. Um, because if 12 million people, adults, are part of the pension fund system, essentially you're saying they're, they're captives. 63% of people in South Africa own their own home. Um, 3 million people stay in RDP homes that would probably like to stay, uh, you know, have them. Um, I've heard very senior government people say that they don't want to live under the trinity of traditional leaders or tin pot dictators. So there's another 1.6 million homes there. If you've ever been to Bushbuck Ridge, you you know, that's where Tuscany houses come from. And then Pretoria East copied it and the Italians registered it. And um, this is a whole story, but there's 40 kilometers of houses there. They're not owned. They've got a permission to occupy. If you take that and you change that to uh, 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 private ownership, you unleash uh, capitalism in a very big way, if you wish. So there's a lot of things that we can do with the assets that we have. Yeah. And I think people are more capitalist than you think. Well, I think people are very capitalist. They just cannot exercise those capitalistic rights, so to speak, due to these serfdoms imposed by the state. But if, back to the pension funds, just for a moment, um, those, that seems to be, if the government has its way, that's like unused money, right? So the NHI also is looking at the savings account that Discovery has. It's 40 billion rand. It's just unused. It's just sitting there, right? Uh, so you change the, the section 25 of the constitution and they say, we'll only take unused property. So that's unused land, unused funds. We will determine what unused means. So it's like medical aid savings or pension funds. It's just sitting there in an account. It's unused. The revolution requires these funds, you know, to, I don't know, help the oppressed or something like that. Um, that is the problem with the expropriation of that compensation thing that no one's talking about. I, I think let, let's take a step back and, and slightly back in history, if you wish. If I was Eugene to Blanche, I would love Julius Malema. I would absolutely say he's my child. Because he wants to take away from black people. Because who do you think the 12 million accounts belong to? There are 3 million white adults. Yeah. Even if all of them, which is not true, but all of them had a pension uh, uh, fund account in one way or another, you're still looking at three quarters of some. I've looked at that pension data, and I'm telling you now that in, it was about 65% black being um, – uh, 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 Indian colored and black in 2015. Every year it changes with about a percent or two. So we're in 2018 now. We're looking at more than two thirds, 68, 69% uh, will be black. Uh, the whites are aging. The whites are the older part of the generation in, in South Africa. So they withdrawing that money. Okay. And, uh, uh, uh that was on the same with houses. Um, the houses, 730,000 houses in 2016, belong to white people. Africans, and this is just Africans, have uh, over 7 million houses. So if you're going to take the land away, who are you taking away from? And the, the, the value is also more African. Indeed, and black South Africans are, are more often than not debt free. I think it's 80%, 84% own their property outright without yeah, a mortgage. Yeah, more, more of them own their property outright. Um, the biggest percentage of a population group that rents is white. 
Um, so, you know, absolutely. It's, it's the best thing ever. I mean, if I was Eugene to Blanche, I yeah. would say, you go, boy. You, you, you carry on doing this. Okay. And I don't think people have realized this. But when, when that thing comes out, just think about this. How many people voted for the ANC government? In the last general election, 11 million? 10, 10 million, 10, 11 million, somewhere, somewhere okay. there. 12 million pension fund accounts. You're going to take that property away? Okay, we've got 9 million people, uh, or we've got 15 m- million families, uh, or 15 and a half million or whatever, and 9 point something million of them own a home. You want to take their land away? Uh, yeah, it's for the you know, it, 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 Mike, it, it is. It is. It's not about it, facts here. These are hate facts, firstly. Yeah, no, you, you should go to jail they, for they, stating they, them. But you've dug your hole so deep. How the hell do you get out of this now? So you know that's the that's the irony of everything. And so, of course, if you look at the the, the actual numbers, and 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 the, uh, it's it's a it's a stunning array of things that we have. Yeah. I mean, if you go and look at the the number of cars that are, it's doubled. If you look at the number of houses and you know, if you go and speak to some people individually, even on now finance minister Genneni, he wants to uh, give people the houses. He wants to have that transfer of property to private enterprise uh, to private individuals. Um, there's a a, 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 a a space and point where you can do this. Yeah. You know, there's there's other simpler solutions. It's just how do we sell those solutions? So I think our politicians have been half asleep. They don't understand their electorate. They've been moved so far to the radical left that they haven't understood this. Because here's another thing. If you look at the Credit Suisse Wealth Report, okay, what African country is higher than South Africa on average wealth? Nigeria, Egypt. Uh, No, none. None. On average wealth. On average wealth per capita. On median, yes. Then you get Mauritius and Seychelles and Gabon above us. Okay. So we will be one of the more wealthy countries. We're about 34th in their wealth thing, and I don't do, think they do our houses well. And if we just transfer the RDP and the traditional houses, we'll climb up that chart. If you do it in purchase power parity, my estimate is we'll be about 25th, wealthiest nation on earth. Um, you know, if we then look at per capita average, it's in, in, in market terms, in the beginning of this year, it was 58th. In purchase power parity terms, it's probably closer to 40. It might be 44. It might be 38, but it's around there. It's up there. It's up there, yes. Out yeah. of a, 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 you know, 180 countries, you're in the top quarter. And, and, and you're going to take this wealth away. I mean, you, you've got to be flippin' stupid to do that. I mean, you, you're being very polite. You, you can say fuck if you want to. Um, I do, but that's <laughs> not the point. But I mean, that's what, that's what I keep trying to say. Well, on social media, at least if you give a title deed to someone in an RDP house, you increase their wealth by hundreds of thousands of rands with the flick of a pin. It takes two minutes, and you don't have to transfer in these offers. Takes ten days. It costs nothing. The free mm, market foundation, nothing, yeah. the free market foundation, have been doing thousands of these for the past twenty-five years, and you know, uh, Christo Visa and all the big, you know, yeah, and Hadman Mashaba and, yeah. and, and those guys. They've been oh, doing absolutely. it for forever and ever and ever. And then people say, "Oh yes, but what will happen is those poor people will just get back into debt with the mortgage." Say, so good. How else do you get up in the world if you don't have capital? If yeah, you well, they debt. say, well, what does it actually mean? Well, it, 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 there's a transfer of wealth that also takes place. So when the parents die, the, the children have a roof over their head to start off with. And they can inherit it. Yes. They can inherit it. So mm-hmm. that's not what many people have in the world today. And if you go and well, look at uh, w- other things like electricity and water to those houses, that's also there. So you're not talking of uh, uh, people that don't have those very basic 
things, we've got that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not hundreds of thousands even, I would argue. It's potentially millions or tens of millions in even the smallest of houses because the potential that that creates for the family for generations to come. Oh, sure. Uh, you know, the, the ability – there's this very narrow understanding of how wealth is created in South Africa. So Julius Malema will look at, say, of course, he'll take a white family and he'll go, all right, he has mom and dad and they both have a job and they earn relatively well. Um, and they both drive nice cars and uh, they, they have a son and a daughter and those, that son and a daughter both went and one studied engineering and one studied medicine and, and all of this stuff seems like it's somehow linked to their race um, and he, he misses the point of the way that they got them through school, for example, was that they took money out their bond probably. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that uh, they might have funded university was that. The way they studied, funded their own studies to climb their career ladder on their side uh, might have been through borrowing and, and through assets like a house. Mm-hmm. Um, so so th- there's a lot of misunderstanding of that. And look, I think – the 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 general milieu at the moment is one of almost certainly coming from people like the EFF is one of revenge where uh, we want to get back we must get back at the people who oppressed us but the as you point out every single thing you look at uh, let's take medical aid for example there are roughly seven million people on medical aids. As you say, only 3 million white people in the country and they're not all on medical aids. Mm. So if you take – if you destroy the medical aid system with NHI – that's probably in the region of 5 million black people you've taken medical aid away from. The assumption that they're just going to be happy with that is a soft bigotry of low expectations, of course. White people want medical aid. Black people don't care whether they have it or not because, you know, they're, they're less than for some unknown reason. Um, yeah, this is, this is the, the illogical sort of approach. Yeah, and, and things haven't been explained. Let's, let's go back and say, why are white people richer? Well, they had that intergenerational wealth transfer, but have we looked at the white people's education? Have we looked at the white people's age? Have we looked at white people's family structures? You know, in South Africa, 52% of our households are female-headed, uh, where children stay. Yeah. Uh, uh, then there's also 1% or 2% of male households. So single parents are, you know, here at 55-odd percent. Mm. Um, there's good data from the U.S. to show that single-parent households exactly. have, have battled with almost every single thing across every category. They, they sort of rank lower. Exactly. That's not to say you're a bad person if you're a single parent. I think people exactly. yeah, miss no, that. No, yeah. it's not, I'm sure you're trying everything you can. In fact, more than. It's very simple. Then, you just uh, don't have the time to do your job and look after the child and take care of the house. I mean, it's and just there's, impossible. And there's, there's no chance of a second salary. Right. And, and that's important in, in the modern world today. And then also I think um, what we also don't look at is we don't say, okay, what is the split rural to urban? And in South Africa and most other countries in the world, rural people are generally poorer yes. because they don't make the money. They might have the view, but mm. they don't have the money. Let's put it that that's way. That's a trade-off. That's yeah. a trade-off. So why would you want farmland if that's the area that is maybe poorer? Sure. And are you trained for farming? You know, all those sort of things that come in. But let's go back to, 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 uh, son. So uh, the, uh, uh, the median age of white people a little while ago during the census was 38. Uh, Indians was 27. Colored was 23. Blacks was 21. So if you go and look at that, 
there is a huge difference. There's a 17 year difference. And I said to Pauli Lotla, I said, why don't you, you know, say this? Cause I was at Free State University saying this. Uh, Johann, Professor Jonathan Janssen invited me and so on. It didn't go far, but he sort of just looked at this and he said, no, that's true. You know, in those 17 years, you would have at least two hmm. or three promotions. 38 year olds are generally richer than, than, than 21 year olds. Yeah. So he, 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 he didn't, you know, so on. But I think that's the problem. You come from a milieu where you say everything was the past's fault. And therefore, it was white people's fault. And therefore, I don't want to release statistics, uh, 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 son. I'll leave the statistics there. But I won't won't, uh, 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 explain – uh, what's the actual thing? Yeah. Because if Mr. Julius Malema or whoever takes over and you take the land away, it doesn't age people. It doesn't change the family structure. It doesn't change the education. All those sort of things are still there and you're not going anywhere. Uh, your argument reminds me a bit of the, the gender pay gap argument that's been happening for the past 20 years or so, which has been debunked because basically people make different choices. No. Uh, people have different goals. Um, and, and that pay gap is justified because on average women work less than men. Yeah, so they spend comp- less time at work very right. often. And this is exactly what you're doing for, for, well, for the on, on, on the race, for on the race side. Of, yeah. And I think people are scared to, to, to look at those things. And, um, I, but I particularly also blame a little bit the academics because I think they, Only a little. Uh, yeah, I think <laughs> a little, a bit, a lot, but, uh, but I think the problem is that many of the academics that work with this stuff, Know that it's there. Right. But they don't want to publish it for fear of where they are because they feel I'm in a government institution being paid by a government and that shouldn't go out. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think they're not providing the leadership that academics should also provide because we're paying them to be there and to give us the truth, not to give us what they think we want to hear. I mean, what does it say about, about politics in this country where academics are not able to be honest about the real facts about differences in population. Yeah, you see, I'm not a good politician, but I would say that's the problem. Fear runs a lot of things. And in a country where the minority is uh, always pushed, it, it is, becomes a problem. And uh, it's not just the white minority. It, it is other minorities. Oh, sure. Well, the black middle class uh, is a minority. Middle, uh, minority, exactly. And they're also being pushed. So when you go to somebody that's black and you ask them on a survey, uh, what's their salary? They don't actually want to divulge their salary. So we find a lot of people don't tell us their salary. And then we end up with people working for the state that say they earn nothing. You know, 5% of the people working for the state earn nothing. It's the biggest slave driver in the, in the world at the moment is the South African government. <laughs> and nobody's investigated this, but academics will go and say, but you know, 4% of people working in agriculture don't earn anything. But if they do that same test to the state, then it's like actually more. So they've got to go and relook at that. Oh, it's very simple. So, People are dedicated to the revolution and volunteer their time. You know, twelve hours yeah, a day, no, five no, days no, a week. No, it's no, just no, all no, volunteers. Absolutely, but they do want the wabenzi with it. It's not just time. You know, you've got to pay me in a wabenzi. So ultimately, that's what you also got to look at. So if you if you look at some of the stuff in South Africa, you can debunk some of the myths. What I'm saying is our pension fund is the eighth highest in the world. We know our home ownership is in the top 40. Um, it depends on when you measure it um, because if you take, uh, for example, Spain had a very high owner, 
home ownership before 2008. Yeah. Um, here in the near the 80 percent, 78 percent, it then fell to 68, and then to 62 percent or something. Um, so we also fell from about 70 odd percent. We're now at 63 percent. Um, but that's sun. But the other thing that people didn't notice is that we've got the sixth or seventh most mall space in the world. Mall space. Yes. Oh, if you look at shopping, urban, yeah. urban, urban studies, says to you. And I know that, yes, now property companies have a problem. They have had for the last year or two. But take it a few years ago. How many years? It was more than a decade, probably two decades, that property was the best return on the JSE. Mm. So somebody was paying rent there in the, this thing. That's why it grew so rapidly. And they were making good returns. And you now go to Bushbuck Ridge, you now go to uh, uh, Toyando, you now go to wherever, Alice Russ or La Pahali, yeah. and there are malls. There are. There I are noticed, malls. I noticed that as and well. These, these are not small malls. No. And there's somebody buying because ultimately the retailer is not going to put stock in a shop and he's not going to rent a shop. And she's not going to be around if, you know, there's no money. Sure. And it's not just grant money. I can tell you, yes, grant days are huge in those areas. But, you know, that is maybe 20% of their turnover or 10% of their turnover. The turnover comes from somewhere else. Sure. But if you then look at that and you say, how many people have we got? Then you'll find, and this is not a total world thing, but we would have the second most small space per person employed. And you would have to think back and say, wait a minute, uh, does that mean that our people, that there's only a few people shopping, but we need so many malls? That wouldn't be the case. So, you know, how in, unequal is this, are the people that are actually employed? And that's what the guys are also not getting right. So they went for a minimum wage. And when the minimum wage was announced at 3,500, they said, no, it's over the median age. But then the trade unions started complaining, saying, but wait a minute, because the trade unions know that the agreements that they have, and if you go to Labor Research Services, which is partly Kusato funded, you will see that the agreements are all above that. But nobody talks about that, you know. So, <laughs> you know, whether it is the, 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 the sectoral determinations, the bargaining council agreements, or the private agreements that, like the Chamber of Mines is not a son or firms or whatever. And they monitor over 500 agreements every year so far. At the top end, it was about a thousand. So if you go and look at this, you say to yourself, but you know, there's something else here because we've got cars. We've doubled the amount of cars. There's now more than doubled in 70, uh, 94, 95. It was about, uh, uh, vehicles was about 5 million vehicles. We're now at 11 million. Um, if you go to cars, actual cars, it was about, uh, 3 million and we're now at seven and a half million and that's without buckies. So you say, but you know, there's nine and a half million people in the formal non-agriculture uh, 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 sector. Then these guys must be earning. And the, if you look at that, the average is over 20,000 rand in, 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 in those salaries. And we know from the ESCOM stuff that they're underestimating those salaries because ESCOM's not telling them about the, the pension payments they're making on behalf of their employees and the like. So we're a lot we have a lot of, of things. So, you know, if you just look at all these stuff, it's, yeah. it's starting to show us. And then we look at taxpayers' data and we look at the pay-as-you-earn data, and that says 7.9 million people, uh, and that would include pensioners, I agree, are earning uh, enough to do pay-as-you-earn. Not fill in the forms because you only have to fill in the forms at 240 or 300,000 or whatever it is. That says to you that the median, in other words, the person in the middle in the formal sector cannot be at 4,500. 
or whatever they dreamt up. Okay. And so the administrative data, the other, the real data is showing them up time and again. And we also know that the, uh, because I do the pensioners, the pensioners are 900,000, the private pensioners, because the grant guy is not getting enough to do a pay as you earn. All right. Right. And the pensioners, ultimately, many of them, the median there that we know, uh, uh, we've got 680,000 of them in a database. We know that they are well below the, the, the tax thing. So we know it's at least seven and a half million people. And that's if you assume people are honest with the tax man. Right. Which, because which many, they, oh, well, well, you know, if people got a few RDP houses that they got their names on, they're renting out a few of them. I don't think they're likely to tell the taxman either that they're oh, making. God bless those people. Less yeah, corruption. No, 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 absolutely. So if you look at that, the, the data is coming back and it's saying to you, we shop a lot. Um, we, 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 we phone a lot. We, we like cars. We've got pension funds that are the eighth biggest in the world. And we underreport to SARS. And we underreport to SARS, which what's, is. So what's the problem, Mike? There's no problem in that, you know. <laughs> so, so my question would be, a lot of those things show that we've, we've grown. We've, we've grown. We've yeah. improved. Uh, we've got a population that's become economically involved. And we probably started um, from a higher base than we thought we had in 94. Perhaps. Uh, in fact, almost certainly we started from a higher base than we thought we had because we excluded an entire economy that had to exist. Yeah. People still had to trade between themselves, yeah. feed themselves, send their kids to schools, etc. Yeah. So that there th- th- was an excluded economy that became an in- – And there's still parts of it that are excluded because you, you, you can look at the trade in an in a area where the guy, one guy has a sheep and the other guy has a goat. Yes. And, and they're trading. That barter would be excluded. Sure. It's, it's judged maybe, but it's excluded. Well, this is the we same as stock files and, and all those things, you know, money yeah. kept under, and, and, under and, mattresses. And, and, yeah. We uh, so, don't know the size of the so, tax so industry. Some of that yeah, – well, <laughs> certainly. So some of that uh, points to – an improvement. Uh, some things going right. So those those numbers are, are heading in a correct direction. So that's what I want to get to is, is okay, uh, that seems out of line with the fact that the the – the economic policies of the actual government are horrific, in my opinion. Um, they, they, they're not policies of growth. They've never shown growth anywhere in the world. Um, they certainly tend towards socialism. You talked about moving to the far left now. And things like expropriation. The rhetoric, yes. Well, the rhetoric. And, and you know, when they we, say we, we, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. When they say we're going we're gonna to amend Section 25, mm. that is one way to Cuba, Venezuela, yep. you name it. You name the country. Um, and we don't have the manufacturing prowess like China does to, to, to power us out of the, the chaos that that will cause. So um, why do you think it is that on one side we're managing to make a success as individual citizens in the country? We just get on with it and we, we do our own stuff um, what, with all the government getting in our way. Let, let's go back to apartheid, hmm. if I may. Sure. I sat and I did the statistics of trains, and train passenger numbers were not going up. They were going down, and you didn't see all those people move to buses, and yet they claimed there were more people employed and so on. So what was happening? Well, either people were moving to cars or something else, and that something else was taxis. So here, taxis are coming in. Uh, we did our best to stop them. We had all routes and controlled and, you know, the traffic policeman with his grade eight 
was there stopping people and, 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 and so on. Yet the industry flourished. And if you go and look at the sales of minibuses, not all minibuses are taxis, I understand that, but has been rocketing. And if you look at that, it says to you, despite the government's intervention, the mini son, and despite us telling the farmers, you no more subsidies. Let's go back into the new era. We say no subsidies for you. Um, we, we've, we've taken everything but four cents of the diesel away um, that they get sponsored with a bit. Um, we don't even give them help during times of drought. Yet they're succeeding. People make a plan. It's the wonder of technology and the ability of people. If you go back to Schumpeter and Creative Destruction, which is what I did in my master's degree and conductive cycle and everything, people make a plan. Hmm. And uh, you can't always make a plan because you some. But if we unleash this growth of this economy, the government gets out of the economy, the government transfers a lot more mm. land to private individuals. And then it flies even more. It flies even more. And then we will go to where the rest of the emerging markets are at 5, 6, 7% growth, not at the 1 to 1.5% growth that we are at now. And not saying that any growth is 100% measured. You know, like P. Joe Rook says, you know, nobody's got the American dollar economy into the nearest billion, uh, you know, since 1900. It is interesting to me that, you know, there's no one ever says, well, we're an emerging economy. How do we become an, not an emerging economy? How do, we, how do we go from where Australia was in the 70s, uh, seen at the same level as Brazil, seen at the same level as South Africa, seen, you know, a, a, and now it's seen as just another first world nation. It's, uh, you know, Australia, America, United Kingdom, Europe, it's, they're all kind of in there of course, together. You know, there, there's a lot to be said in South Africa for certain parts of our economy. I don't think there's as sophisticated financial markets in many, many first world countries. Uh, look at your medical insurance. Look at your pension. Look at our banking sector. Um, it's certainly innovative. Mm. It's certainly going places. Our uh, banking is incredible. I don't know if you've ever tried to do any kind of banking in the United States. No. It's, it, it, you it's, have to write a check. You have to write a check. <laughs> no, they, they, they live in the 40s. It's, it's unbelievable um, um, how backwards it, it, the Americans are. In Germany, are. there's still very, very small banks. In, and, and it's actually quite nice in a way. You know, yeah. But, but they, they're not linked to anyone they, they're else. They're not linked to anybody. You've got to go to a small town to the got, garage. <laughs> yeah, or they are linked via the Sparkasser because you get a card. But the guy knows you sort of some, but it's not very sophisticated. Mm. And, um, you know, the products that you get through the bank here from insurance, uh, right through to the credit card, which you would get in Germany in that little bank too. But, you know, the home loan, uh, a lot of other stuff you don't get in all these things. So it's a very more sophisticated market. And I would suggest that it's probably in the top 20. Uh, it might not be number one. I think you'll find a Singapore or so might be a bit further advanced. You go and look at our stock exchange. It's definitely further advanced. Um, but in a way, just to go at the taxi guys, the taxi guys must be the best consumer service. He doesn't care about you in the car. Stuff you. He stops exactly where the customer wants him to stop. And he picks the customer up exactly where the customer is. He was Uber before Uber. <laughs> so, you know, if you, if you actually look at that free market, enterprise that is taxis it's been an amazing thing and uh it says to you that they they are more expensive than buses they are more expensive than trains yeah but people migrate to them yeah as soon as they get some money yeah and and uh, it makes sense and once you and from taxis you migrate to cars 
Yeah. Uh, maybe first a second or and third And I would suggest if the taxis were a bit more free market, if they weren't such a cartel. So if they weren't sort of set routes and, and yeah. they were able to, uh, well, to, to diversify a bit in that. So a guy could decide, well, actually, I'm not going to drive from Soweto to Park Station and then Park Station to Santon. I'm just going to drive from Soweto to Santon. Because yeah, you can't, they've, they've you can't do that route currently. Rules, you yeah. know, if you go and look at American taxis, you have to get a license or in a, in a medallion, uh, the, yeah. UK and you, you go and do all these tests that you know everything backwards. Um, so, you know, to them, son, and I think, uh, that next step, uh, Uber is probably liberating a lot of people. But I mean, you see people take taxis everywhere now. And I think, um, yes, it's probably cartelish, uh, but I don't think it's complete because otherwise we wouldn't have that underlying violence probably because people yeah. are trying to move into other people's territory. Yeah. Um, so, so it's a bit of a Wild West uh, maybe scenario. Um, but how many rules do we want to replace it with? You know, do we? Well, no, less rules. L- yeah, yeah. Well, we want obviously health and safety rules. We don't want the guy driving with a spanner as a steering wheel. You know, we want some stuff. Why not? Yeah. Well, I think we all agree that we have rules that are needed. Uh, traffic rules would be part of it because you would have to have a little bit of, you know, sense to everybody drives on the uh, left or the right hand side, you know, whatever. Oh, sure. uh, you know, th- those are the sort of rules I don't mind. Uh, it's the next step of rules uh, that you could argue about. Yeah. But then uh, the next one after that becomes really problematic. So, you know, when, when, when you take the government into people's lives, um, I don't have a, a a problem that a government makes traffic rules. I don't have a, 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 that as a problem. We can all argue about the speed limit, and some of us break it. But I do have a problem when the tra- when the, when the government says, you know, you may not smoke in your own car. Uh, that I think is 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 the wrong sort of rule. Yeah. But I can understand the health uh, uh, thing behind it. I, I used to be a smoker. I'm no longer. But I'm just saying. So, you know, where do you stop those rules is the big thing. So certain rules we all agree on, but yeah. Well, to some degree. I mean, basically all I've heard from you, Mike, is that the South African people generally are doing quite well by themselves. Uh, the politicians are fucking us over. Uh, what I don't understand is if the politicians wants to steal, I think there's much more to steal in a growing economy, unless I'm wrong. So why wouldn't they want to grow the economy to well, steal the, more? The, the, the thing is, if you've got somebody that you can blame and that you can show, <gasps> look at those people. They're so rich and so on. It's easier to steal. It's easier to motivate yourself probably to steal. And it's easier to take it away because you're taking the attention away. But that's so Robin, Ho- it, Robin Hood syndrome. Yeah, but not to well. say everything's going well because we've no. still got a huge unemployment problem. Sure. That's where our un- inequality comes from. So that's where our poverty comes from. So how do we take the, those people and put them in? Because now we've spoken, when we did this, if I can take it in, we spoke about parts of our economy that are really excellent. We have parts of our economy that are not good. Hmm. So in South Africa, I pay one of the highest tax rates in the world. In fact, I would argue that we're about the eighth highest tax burden to GDP in the world. Today, our that personal much. income tax uh, burden is uh, it, it was number eleven. It's definitely going to number ten. That's what we're saying, and, and, and we know uh, Germany and US are coming down. We're probably in the top ten right now because these are twenty fifteen figures. Our company taxes are the fifth highest burden in the world, and we're in the in the top uh, forty with uh, uh, indirect taxes, excise, and VAT. Is there uh, any calculation of uh, tax versus return? Well, because I would, I, I would argue that we're number one then. Then, then we're number one because I would agree in with In terms you. of non-return. Well, here, <laughs> let me give you, give you why you're right. Um, 
if we look at the world average, there's 24 kids per teacher. In South Africa, there are 32 kids per teacher. And if it wasn't for the fee-paying schools, it would be 34. Uh, and leave out private schools now. Yes. In, and so on. If I go to the high-tax countries, which is like Sweden and those places, there are 14 kids to a teacher. Now, a teacher can intervene and do better. And I would argue that the teachers are better qualified in those other countries. And this is where we fall down. So we have a very big trade union in the, the Satu. Yes. And they play havoc with people's lives. And that's the real scary part is that we're still blaming the past for what's happening in the present. Yeah. When those people that were benefited by the past, by being made teachers in the apartheid era, are still with us and the people that have come along with them, and uh, 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 they've now taken over, uh, very often the, 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 the teaching departments and decide who's a principal and who isn't. That's first. Then we look at doctors. 1.8 uh, doctors in South Africa per 100,000. The world average is over five. So, you know, that's a, that's a huge indictment on us. And in this case, I would argue that it's sometimes the professionals that are keeping them out because what is the Health Professionals Council doing? Why are they not speaking up and saying, we shouldn't have an intake of, we've got so many kids that want to become doctors. We all agree on that because we all know people that didn't get into a, a, a medical school. We should be saying, but we don't want 1,500 or 1,400 doctors a year. We want 5,000 doctors a year. We want to fix our medical schools to get there and so on. But why is the Health Professionals Council not pointing this out? Well, because they're making better bucks out of it. Same with accountants. Why can't we have uh, uh, X amount of so – they only want so many to pass. Bugger that. The same with the lawyers. Bugger that. We're, who's got the nicest offices in Santon at the moment? The lawyers. Uh, the lawyers. And why is that? Because of the Competition Commission. And have has that really helped South Africa that the lawyers have a better building? Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, no. you know, the, the, the other point about the doctors, and maybe we can get to, to this giant elephant in the room, is that the health department, the HPCSA, which is essentially just a limb of the health department, um, a regulatory limb, um, they do want to in, increase the number of doctors, but they're, they're not really willing to increase the quality of education first or the capacity for, of the quality education. So they're not prepared to go to UCT and VITS and say, well, you guys make good doctors. So what we're going to do is we're going to double the amount of money we give you so that you can do that. And then what they're equally not willing to do is they're not willing to, and the health minister has been very blunt on this. Um, the private sector has said that they're willing to train somewhere in the region of 3,000 doctors a year. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that would, that would solve a lot of our problems. Mm. But the health minister refuses to allow, uh, for private medical schools to exist. Mm. So, uh, that's, that's a large part of the issue. And that speaks to a broader issue, which mm. is a lot of the success we've discussed has to do with, uh, individuals doing things for themselves. Um, uh, and then that becoming an industry, for example, taxis. Uh, and companies doing things for themselves. So be it medical companies, be it mining companies, be it agricultural companies, um, those are privately owned institutions. And we have this big problem of anything the government touches, really, uh, it's the opposite of the Midas touch. Uh, yeah. and, and so we've got ESCOM, which is just a catastrophe. And I don't know, you know, I wasn't really engaged in, 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 in certainly not in economics at this level, um, early 2000s, but 
ESCOM seemed like at some point it was half a respectable institution. What the hell happened? I think if you look at our state-owned enterprises in general, I think um, the people that ended up running them and the boards were appointed by governments. And uh, those guys played very often for their own pockets. It was the ultimate form of capitalism under the guise of socialism and their developmental state. And that's what happened. Is it, It's as simple as that, I think, Jonathan. I don't know if… It's um, not crony capitalism when you're stealing. Not really capitalism because capitalism no, doesn't crony seek capitalism to… Is, capitalism is agreement between two people where uh, you both benefit. Crony uh, capitalism is where you're screwing the one guy over. Well, crony capitalism is where, uh, you, you know, is, is uh, I think you two people benefit, but the third is, is the one that's screwed. Because capitalism isn't a situation of just two people. There's there's a lot of interest groups in, in capitalism. And I think we, we've all got to the stage where um, we recognize that, they, you know, that government has a role to play, whether it's as the jury um, system in the states and the uh, a prosecuting system or whatever and the policing or whatever. But where I think we have a very big disagreement is should government be now still providing electricity? No. Um, maybe, of not. Uh, uh, you know, they need to be the regulator of it. Maybe we need to also, before we just privatize ESCOM, split it up because you don't want a monopoly, a private monopoly and a, yeah. and, and a government monopoly uh, would be both as bad. It's the same thing. Yeah. But I mean, why don't we just, why don't, why doesn't the government just regulate shoes, Mike? Because, you know, not everyone has shoes. Some people have too many. Some don't have any. I think it's really important the government steps in and makes sure that, you know. Everyone um, has a pair of Nikes. Everyone has a pair of Nikes. I think it's really important. Oh. Because why, why is electricity like this weird other commodity that is not the same as any other commodity that the market can provide? Because we know very well the only reason the government keeps the SOEs is to take money from them. They, they, the SOEs fund the ANC. Yeah, well, they perhaps employment. did, but I think it's becoming difficult to take money out of the SOEs well, because, now. Because, because there's no money. They've stolen so many of them. And, uh, you know. But, that, but that's the whole patronage network. And they keep, patronage is a very, is a very, um, But I think it's also an word. egotistical network. It's you know, a, I think some of the people I've met yeah. are not necessarily stealing. They, but they, they are promoted beyond competence. And they are, they believe, and, and, and this was the same in the early nineties. They, they absolutely oh, yeah. believe that they, that they've got this whole thing, that they know everything and, and they there because they, son. Um, but if it wasn't for the party political connection or if it wasn't for nepotism or whatever, they wouldn't be there. So we've had this stuff. I, I, I'm quite sure it's true, but there was this rumor that Dudu's, uh, daughter or son was running part of SAA and this and that. And I mean, I can imagine that this person was thinking, yo, I know. I'm doing the important I'm doing job. Yeah. So yes, there's, 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 there's definitely stealing, but it's not only stealing. And, and the problem is right now, when they try to turn these things around, you've got this guy from ESCOM, ex Coco or whatever, ex yeah. who's still on Twitter and, and making, I mean, I'm just amazed that this still happens. I mean, it, how stupid must you be? I mean, I mean you, you're going to be a great case in court because everything that you say on Twitter is going to be turned around well, again. Except that it would have to end up in court. And I think that's one of the, one of the yeah. areas of yeah, concern. No, I think you know, that's you talk a about, problem I mean, even if people work. haven't stolen, SAA is a good example. I, there certainly was theft from SAA and there was that dodgy deal where they were trying to lease the planes mm. instead of buy them direct and all that. Um, 
through a sort of shell company. But a large part of what's happened at that organization is just gross incompetence. Yeah. Managing an airline is, is, is no small task. Uh, it takes huge amounts of skill, a huge amount of understanding of a very specialized industry. And it's very clear that the people who've been at the helm for many years in a row now just haven't known what they're doing at all. But there is no consequence. There is no consequence mm-hmm. from the top. We have, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, what is it, 783 counts against uh, a former president, mm-hmm. uh, which, in my opinion, will end up being squashed ultimately, either by pardon or just not make it through court. Um, but we have people who died as a result of a of a health department screw up. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing's happened. Uh, there's a cost to the taxpayer. Certainly, mm-hmm. there's always a cost to the taxpayer. Um, but but there's 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 no personal responsibility, and so you can be the guy who right. ran Eskom into the ground, and you can post stuff on Twitter which is incriminating, frankly incriminating. But yet you don't have to worry because nothing's going to happen to you. It's as if I have, you know, Mike. We walk downstairs at the end of this podcast. And uh, I stab you in the back mm. and I dispose of the body. And then I go on Twitter and I go, you know, this is what happened to Mark. I killed him and I buried him somewhere here it's in Livonia. And everyone goes, well, that's terrible. You're a dodgy dude. But nothing then comes of that. That's but where now, we're at. Now, this is where we've got the thing. If you look at the victims of crime survey, and I'm not saying surveys are 100% correct, but only about 50 people, 50% of people report a crime. Sure, but that's a that's loss of faith in the in the in the yeah, justice. But why do they lose that faith? Because if you look at the next set of numbers, the amount of uh, criminal things reported, only six percent or seven percent of them end up in a court case. Okay, uh, I can prosecu- understand that not everything. You don't want the little boy who put stones in the road to now go to jail. You know that's not what you want. But ultimately, that's what you're sitting with. And then of those, only half of them are convicted. So you're looking at three percent conviction rate. Maybe that's a bit wrong because obviously some criminals do a lot of cases. But it does say to you that crime pays. And then on top of that, if you then halve it because half the cases aren't reported. Uh, it's another thing. And I think what they should be doing is they should be looking and saying to themselves, and you know which cases they do the well at? Racism cases. Well, that too, but uh, just think about it. Drugs. Uh, The drug war. The drug, yeah, when they catch somebody with drugs, um, uh, 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 they've got you. Yeah, because it's easy. You had the drugs or you didn't, and it's against the law. Yes, and and it's and it's not hectic. Uh, uh, You know, it's not like chasing cash and transit robbers. It's not. uh, It's uh, having uh, a dog uh, at the airport smelling a bag, and it's like, uh, oh, we got you. uh, Yeah, and and uh, that is it. And so they're very successful of that. I, I would like to know how successful we are at murder cases, but they don't distinguish always. And, uh, well, we're very unsuccessful. I would argue we're probably at zero percent conviction of public officials who steal tax money. Yeah. I mean, with <laughs> I, I think there's there's one minister that's now the ex-transport minister um, that's now got a problem, but it was the e-natus system, and obviously there's paperwork, and it makes it easier to to uh, get that. But yes, that's the problem. So we are, in one sense, lucky that we've got a court system. And so on. But how functional is it? So is it part of the problem nowadays? And is it a will problem as well? So we have what everybody calls a Sean the Sheep. Um, does, do they really want to prosecute all these political cases? No, they don't. Of course not. And mm. so it's a poor guy. I'll probably tell you the shoplifting conviction rate is probably 25%. 
You know, it's yeah. it's it's higher yeah. than the political conviction rate, which is zero percent, as you yeah, say, right. or very or, close. Or, or to the 0%. drunk driving rate is quite high. Uh, prosecution yeah, rate is quite high. But even there, you know, you can pay a bribe and get yeah. away with it. And that's the other irony that we don't always think about, you know. But if your president is corrupt, the guy taking two hundred rand off you on the N three because you're doing one hundred and twenty in the eighty zone, you know, he he doesn't think it's wrong. Yeah, but seven hundred two says it's the driver's fault for even for even you know approaching the guy <laughs> well, with the bribe. You know, I I I I tend All to of listen to Roman, something yeah. else. I mean, I don't I don't give bribes as a matter of principle, and I know it costs me a lot not to give bribes, but. I, I know many people who think, you know, it's the cost of living in South Africa. It's just, I can either give 200 now or the, the court process itself is the punishment. The postponements, the lawyers, the things like this, that's the punishment. Not even the process, not even getting convicted. So here, here we are. We come with a, a victim of crime survey. Were you a victim of crime? No, sir, because I don't want to say anything that I was actually the criminal called the bribe Yeah. So... Even that, you know, says to me how, how we've fallen if we think about it. And um, so we don't really have the numbers. But I can tell you now, if we have a 3% conviction rate, it's pretty high. Okay, Mark. So are we sitting on the edge of a cliff, really? Because fiscal cliff. we've got, we've got um, well, I mean, yeah, but I, I would argue fiscal cliff is the everything cliff. Because yeah. if we fall off that, it, it's, it's tickets for everything, really. Um, we've, we've got this situation, uh, you've described some positives in the economy, uh, but we've got the government doing everything they can to sort of hamstring this. So we've got these state-owned enterprises that are bankrupt mm-hmm. who provide very important services, so they need not they need to not be bankrupt, other than SAA. SAA can go, but yeah. uh, well, we S- need Prasa to work. ESCOM is actually important. Prasa is actually important. Uh, there are there are They're not uh, important. Well, until there's a until the government's willing to let go of their monopoly, they are important. If ESCOM decides to shut down tonight, it will take time for a private institution yeah. to take that no, over but, and but, supply but, electricity. No, but these things won't these things won't be sold or taken away. People will just create their own power sources illicitly. Sure, Ramon, and it will still take me two weeks to install solar into my house. Uh, I'll have uh, no and, power for two weeks. Yeah, and, um, and, and the same is everybody will then want power and solar sure. and everything. And the, the not, demand will exceed might, the supply. You might, you might be waiting not, for a few months. I'm not arguing to close down ESCOM overnight. Yeah. I'm just saying it will disappear because people won't use the products. Oh, yeah. They will find alternative means, legal or illegal. I think that's happening already. That's, I mean, that's very much that's, happening. That's why the consumption of electricity is basically the same now as it was ten years ago. Yeah. Well, because and also the big the big guys closed down when the price. Yeah, went the big up. guys closed down, and the economy hasn't grown as yeah. much as we'd like, and all those things. And but we put another five million houses on the electricity grid, but they didn't make up for that. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who have found started to move towards alternative measures and have cut down because they listened to ESCOM when ESCOM said change your light bulbs and do all those things, right? Stop using electricity. Stop using our product. We really don't want you to pay us. Um, So what I I really want to get at is, okay, we've got a government pushing really hard. Uh, My opinion is if if they change the Section 25 of the Constitution, you might as well just call it quits. Uh, I, I don't know what you feel on that. Um, but what's going to take us more, what's going to sort of push us either over the cliff or take us away from the cliff? Okay. Can I just say this? I'm not saying we had the best finance ministers in the world and I'm not saying we have the best central bank in the world, uh-huh. but I think we've been pretty lucky to have at least a bulwark. With other words, there is somebody uncovering some of the corruption or at least 
checking the books at Treasury and saying every 10 million uh, around tender now goes through us, we check, and so on. So in certain cases, we've had parts of government that have worked. Otherwise, we wouldn't have lasted this long. That's that's clear. And I think um, if we go over the fiscal cliff, I think that's keeping up a lot of the politicians at night. And I think um, there is a chance that we do that. I, I, I know from the just the salary bill that keeps on climbing, that pushes us there. But I don't think a, com- a country just falls over a cliff. I think if you look at a Venezuela, it's been a decline for a long time period. And we've seen Zimbabwe decline for a long time period. Um, we hopefully don't change the constitution. And if we do change the constitution, uh, and even if we don't change the constitution, we don't do anything radical. Um, we have a bit of a history of turning uh, away from uh, cliffs in South Africa um, or from watches that are going to hit 12 o'clock. That's the one thing we've got on our side. But obviously nothing is sure. And, you know, this is the economist coming out of me and saying, when I forecast, I've got to look at all possibilities. So, yes, we do have that possibility. But the one thing is, I think describing it as a cliff isn't the cliff. You, you actually, somebody's using a word wrong because it's a, it's a drift. It's a drift down because now we've taken VAT to 15%. In two years time, we need to take it to 16%. And we still don't solve the things and we still pay the civil servants and there's still people living a life of luxury in Pretoria or whatever the case may be. And then we take it another, another step. So it's a slow squeeze. And that's what's happened in South Africa. That slow squeeze to turn that around. It's a big ship. And I think we were very naive, for example, in thinking President Ramaphosa is going to come in. He's going to turn all this stuff around. I think even us economists were naive because you can change the boards. You do, you, those boards are going to change the management. The management's got to change the next layer. You've got to have processes in place and turning that around. And having a look at everything that we've seen, there are some positive signs. What we saw yesterday from ESCOM, I think, was much more honest than we've seen in a long time. That's certainly true. As terrible as it was. As terrible as it was, and they even said, we don't know if this is all. And I think we're going to see a lot more honesty uh, in some of the other, I think, a Denal uh, and, and a SAA and a Safcol and a uh, and, and, and Transnet. Petro SA. Petro SA had 16 billion rand lost yeah, two, three gone. years ago that no one, no one all, talks and about. And all our oil reserves. Yeah. No well, they've had, to, they've had to, they've had to, make some people unemployed in the, in a part of the Western Cape that relies on them in Mossel Bay. And, uh, that's going to come back and bite some people. Uh, yeah. So I think ultimately we, we're going to have a, 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 a lot more honesty uh, perhaps going forward. I think, um, Oof, I don't know, Mark. It, 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 it's not perfect. I know. I mean, and it's the, not the only, I mean, I, I understand we, we can, you know, you can make cancer grow slower or spread slower. Maybe that's the better. Yeah. Apt Maybe term. you do chemotherapy, but, but you still have patient. cancer. The cancer is the the lack of reforms. As but, the rigid but, labor but don't laws. you think that people that have all these uh, all all these pension funds, you know how many people phone me and of all races and say to me, um, "We're glad you're talking about this." Uh, you know, I want to know if my pension fund is still safe. And then we're talking about a teacher in the trans sky sure. saying, "I want to know." And I said, "Well, it's guaranteed by the state, but yeah, it it might not." And so on. And Will I still be able to afford medical? All those things, because they've seen what's happened to the transnet guys. They've seen what's happened in Zimbabwe. So I think if we can get that sort of 
leadership and that sort of political party that looks at that side. Because let's face it, we, we are a shareholder capitalist nation if you look at it. If we've got 16 million households yeah. uh, and, and we've got 12 million people that have uh, 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 pension fund shares, 3 million people have unit trusts, it's probably uh, so on. We haven't even spoken, you know, the, the claimed and I'm not claiming the people that say we for all women here in BE, but there's 11.8 million people that are beneficiaries of BE. Why right. has nobody fickered them? Why has nobody put get, given them a share certificate? Why has nobody sent them uh, the value of that company's thing? There are 480,000 that do know that. That's of many of the employee shareholder schemes uh, like Kumba. Um, that's uh, very often the community specific community where you know what's happening, but somebody else is deciding for you. Now we've got right. the chemical union. Now there's the ultimate capitalist. The two oaks that sat on top of that union that we're all spowing uh, socialism at us and uh, making all lots of nonsense statements and meetings that I attended two decades ago, you know, ended up with four billion between them. And they've left the unions, but they're still controlling that fund, you know. So ultimately we have that too. And we should maybe just say there must be a clever political party that says we want to make beneficiary shareholders. That's what we call inclusive capitalism. Let's do it that way. Let's make it shareholder capitalism. Right. Let's turn that thinking around. Rather than beneficiaries because you sound like. Well, beneficiaries is arbitrary. Yeah. Whether yeah. I give you, I say, yeah, for our beneficiaries, we give them some bursaries. Do all of them go and study? No. no. Uh, we also provide a little bit of a clinic. Do all of them go and attend that clinic? No, because no, you know, I'm all over. So I decide for the beneficiaries, yeah. and it's a nice PR exercise. It's a little pit project. Uh, it's right? exactly, and it's stealing. Of course. And 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 if you then look at that, then you've got to rethink that. So we've got some building blocks in place. If we do it clever. Yeah. Then people can can do that, and I think the majority of people in South Africa that I know, whether it's the petrol attendant or the person son that wants a job, they want certain things. They want their own house. Yes. They want to have a a, a, a good income. They want to have a prospect for them and their children. All those sort of things, like the rest of the world wants. So I think this is what's happening. There's a lot of people. The pushback from small people trying their own little business. Ironically, we saw uh, when social grants came in, a lot of the people that were self-employed declined from about two and a half million to about 1.2 million. Interesting. It's now starting to increase again to about 1.4 million. So people stopped doing their own little thing and just relied on those grants. Uh, it seems like it. Okay. So, but now people realize that that isn't all. They've got to do something. And I think that is a, is a turnaround. Um, I'm not saying it's a perfect turnaround. Sure. Oh, and it's, it's also what Message are we spreading? And who owns the media these days? You know, uh, uh, 702, uh, you, you were making a comment about prime media is owned by uh, a, a trade union that's under very serious problems. Num. Num. And uh, they used to be very relaxed capitalists. I know them. And uh, they, they are now no longer relaxed capitalists. They're now worried. So the, 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 the whole thing turned and you had to look at it differently. Uh, who owns ETV? Well, actually, the people that own ETV, they're in that trade union. They're more shareholders than workers now because the workers have lost their jobs. So there's less than 100,000 workers, but there's more than – not shareholders, beneficiaries. Right. All right. So if you make them shareholders, HCI, they will know they've got a share. This is what ETV means to you. This is what HCI – this is what the casinos mean to you. 
And where's that throughput? Where's that see-through? Where's that transparency there? It's not. And it's not. And yeah. so if you're clever about this, you turn things around. You say, why? I want to see the church's books. I want to see every church have an annual report and tell me what the bloody pastor gets paid. Oh, by the way, I also want to know uh, what the secretary at the church gets paid. And the trade union should have the same. Oh, and these non-governmental organizations, I want annual reports from them, annually signed. I want the same with the beneficiaries of the BEE deals. I want to know wh- who's getting paid what, son. must be figured. You can then bring in an admin group or whatever uh, people that then it's their requirement to give a, 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 a fair value, you know, to get somebody actually or whatever to give a fair value or an analyst of the company that these people have got to share in uh, because some of these things aren't even listed. Um, well, I mean, I, I, but, but I'm just saying if we've given all this wealth to people, yes. we must make it work. Of course. And, and so what does that say to you? If people want that wealth, that's what they want. They want to ultimately own something. Sure. So that is our ultimate defense, is it not? Can, can In some ways, I mean, sorry, John, yeah, last sure. question from me. No do, you, do you think that there is a political party that exists that acknowledges that? Because I don't see it. I don't, I don't see uh, much of it. I see a bit of it in COPE. I think there are members oh. in the DA that definitely see that. But not as, not as, uh, uh, not uh, as a forceful message. Yeah, to the but masses, I mean, I, uh, you know, without uh, saying, I spoke to Bantu Holomisa once and I said, look, if I was you, I would f- certainly focus more on the unemployed. You know, the, 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 that number is growing. And I would make sure to say to the unemployed, we need to get you a job. That's what we need to do. Cause that, he, so, and, 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 and then people agree with that, you know, and then I say, and then we've got all these shareholders. And they said, but I didn't know we had all these shareholders. So uh, this is, this is where the stuff up comes in. So even if you're at a business school and you're doing a, a thing at a business school in the Cape, those guys don't know it because they haven't looked at those numbers. They also believe the slogans. And that's the problem. Our academics are also lazy and have believed the slogans and haven't looked at what's actually happening. And or, or the stuff they, they, I'm mentioning you, it's, yeah. it's in the Financial Services Board or now called the Conduct Authority annual reports. It is, the comparison comes from the OECD. I've taken Towers, which is a, a big thing that Riscura did as well, um, with them about the emerging markets. Our BEE funds would be, uh, just the listed in the top 100 would be the 10th biggest pension fund in the emerging market on its own. If you take it that it's more than that, in other words, there's Psalms Delta, a wine farm, and you know companies outside the top 100 and whatever, and everybody claims to be a BE partner these days, um, then you're probably looking at 400 billion or so, and that would put you in the top eight there as well. So why are these people not getting those benefits? Why are the benefits not being felt of BEE? Because the slogans are winning and because the real information is not there. And partly our real information is not there because it suits the current political party to keep that away from us. And it suits the academics to be lazy. And it suits the business leaders to not upset the apple cart and to continue making their money. So it's left to private individuals like me or you to change that thought. And that's how most processes happen. Yeah, my only concern with some of what you've said is uh, I worry about you want the, the, the data, really. That's what you you want the data to be far more transparent. So we know where everything is, where everything's going, who's getting what, uh, exactly how everyone's participating in the economy. Um, 
I just when you say things like everything must be fecid, you know that's a that's a government process which is completely useless. But, but, um, but, uh, ma- maybe not completely useless, but it's 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 seemingly very onerous, very bureaucratic, uh, difficult to do, um, and it it doesn't seem to be very helpful. What, 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 and and what? I don't understand why if I you and I. Uh, do a few hundred million rand deal between us, how th- that is, uh, in my world, I want to be able to, to, to give you a few hundred million rand for whatever service you're giving me, and Without nobody has to re- know re- about that. Yeah. Nobody. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. But sure. what I'm saying, if you are fickering and you are rickering, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, and we all agree that it's, 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 it's got a different reason to it. Um, maybe it's a tax reason, maybe it's a terrorism reason or whatever. But here's something. We say we're unequal in this world. We say we have wealth inequality. Yet we don't give those people, when we transfer wealth, the wealth to many people. We give it to one or two people to oversee. Yes. Right. Okay. And they okay. can okay. claim that it's for all those other yes. people. Okay. And we have no requirement. So, so you're pushing back against the claim that we've, we've helped <laughs> thousands or millions of people when in fact we've helped a couple yeah. and we have no way to verify either claim. Yeah, we probably have helped, uh, say, half a million that are part of yes. uh, 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 the employee schemes and, and so on. But the other 11.4 million, we've helped very few of them. And we've probably, you know, I've seen very nice reports and we've given 1,800 bursaries, hmm. you know, in the last 20 years from this union. It's a joke. It's a joke in the whole process of the money they got. And we've built, you know, another 10 extra houses and a clinic. And we had a, a, a dog training uh, course for people. And then we gave them a dishwashing course, uh, you know. Pottery so, and yoga sessions yeah. as well. Uh, it, it reminds me of the Thomas quote. It's like the government steals secretly and then gives back a tenth of it extravagantly, right? Yes. Like they steal 40 rand and they give you five rand back. They fuck, aren't you, aren't you so happy we give and, you five and, rand and, back? And why does nobody talk about it? Because the companies should have thought about this and said, what, why is this? It's going to come back and bite us every time. So if I was the companies, I would say, I want this to happen. Because if you're saying to me as a company, I must be registered, I must do this and do, da, 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 then those guys must have uh, uh, requirements too. It's not just a one-way street. Then otherwise what happens is that those guys come back and they get another set of free shares to the detriment of who? The current shareholders, sure. who are pensioners, who are those 12 million people on, who own our son. So again, we take from black people, if you wish, to give to a few people. So it's theft. Well, yeah, 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 that's part and parcel of having a state, Mike. Yeah, but, no, but this is the rule that we make, and this is sure. the, the private sector being very much involved with it. But it's called redistribution, now there's a not theft. Back and saying, wait a minute, you know, we've done this once before. We don't want to do it a second and a third and a fourth time. Now the Chamber of Mines realizes it. Some other acts are starting to say, but wait a minute, you know, this is my second BEE deal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, this, this is not a, 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 a something and so on. So, you know, some people should start asking questions. So I think not only were our academics, uh, so our, our businessmen were lazy too. They didn't think this through either. They just went along for the ride. I think you, you'll be, never come across a group of castrated individuals like business leaders in this country. Yeah. They yeah. will literally go, they went along with apartheid. They go along with the ANC government. They'll go along with socialism. If it becomes communism, they they'll kiss. go along with that. Yeah, if we have concentration camps and gulags, they'll go along with that. They'll provide the fencing they and could, the food. They could care less. 
They 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 don't give a shit. Um, oh, they have no well, they scruples. You know that's why they, well, they, 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 invest, they That's why South African the seventy percent of the turnover of the top hundred companies in the JSE is now outside of our borders. Well, so they're caring about their their way of taking that out, and they have to look for a return sure. for their shareholders. But, but, so th- and here's we the are thing. shareholders I, of pension I funds. We're too happy to go along with that as well. But they're, but not, but I, they're, not, they're not activists. I don't, yeah, I don't have not at all. I don't, I don't no, have a problem with that. Money goes where the money goes, where the, the, sure. the least resistance. Yeah, is. My, my point is, is, is that um, I don't have a problem them following basic business principles. My po- problem is, is when something clearly corrupt or unethical comes along and across their way. They don't push back against it because they go, this is the state that we have, and this and is the way things feel, are. They also probably feel guilty as well because many of them are still white. So they feel guilty, and those that are very often of another color are sometimes uh, 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 people that are appointed by the party. But we are starting to see another group of people that are pushing back, and that's good to see, especially in the bigger cities. Mm. And it will take time, and I, I, I think let's see how it goes. You know, I think circles, you know, cycle uh, – you know, conductive cycle is a very long cycle. Some people say it's 54 years. That's what he said now because people's lives are longer. Some are saying it's 70 years or so. But just think about this. Do you know anybody that is a, a, is a national party member at the moment <laughs> that ever voted for the national party? Martin van Skokvik. He's <laughs> <laughs> the last one, perhaps. Yeah. Martinez. Martinez. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I can't no, even no, remember no, his no, name no, correctly. No, yeah. Okay. Let's, let's go back. Okay. That's, that's back. That's 20, 20, sort of the same, 25 years forward. Are you going to find anybody that ever voted for the ANC? Is a question you should ask yourself. So these things turn and it's, it's exactly this, the pendulum swings. And, you know, the one time it's a commodity boom because there's too few commodities and everybody piles into commodities until it's too much. And the same with this sort of, let's call it uh, broadly social, socialism, which is actually not socialism in a way, but at universities where everything, you know, is, is, is being shouted at and shouted down, they've become their own Nazis. And they're now imploding. Mm, neo-Marxism. Uh, Neo-Marxism, if you wish. They just call it something else. And social justice. Social justice warriors and whatever you – but my point is it swings. Yeah. And in 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 – 20 years' time, who's read Sansa's book? Nobody. Who was a follower of, you know, let's say, you know, let's take Woody Allen as a movie guy. He was top notch in the 70s, everything. When I was a student, you had to watch, you know, um, uh, um, uh, the, the, the John Cleese and what is it? Uh, Monty Python. The Monty Python stuff. You had to listen to it and watch it, and uh, Woody Allen would be part of it. Now Woody Allen is nobody admits to knowing Woody Allen. You know, it's 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 turned around completely, and yeah. and that might just be entertainment now. But I'm just saying we're going through that pendulum swing with everything, and it it is always that. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a witch hunt against anything that was left wing in the fifties in America. M- uh, McCarthy. McCarthyism. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, but but in South Africa, we actually need to fight for that pendulum to swing much faster. We, we, we must fight for we, that. Yes. We, uh, I have a feeling, you know, people are very complacent here, mm. very complacent, or they corrupt into the system and accept it and, and help it, you know, encroach more into other people's lives. So yeah, maybe we need a, a, what, a disruption, as the techies say, in the political space to give a platform to oh, ideas goodness me. that are dangerous. That like sounds very giving branded. black people property that is theirs. Completely what dangerous idea, idea. While I've got you, just a couple more minutes. Um, 
Do you want to tell everyone who's listening why trade wars are not easy to win? And that's a bad, <laughs> well, that's a bad policy on the part of Donald Trump. It's a, it's a very bad policy. Um, if you go back into the history of trade, um, trade is a percentage of world GDP. Madison's figures, um, very famous Dutch economist, showed us that it was about 13, 14% of GDP before the First World War. After the First World War, um, trade things started coming in because during the war, obviously, foul ships were torpedoed and the likes. And uh, that led to probably the greatest recession or depression that the world has seen, and at least uh, since the modern era, which is around 1800. Um, so if you make things more expensive – because uh, that's what you're going to do yes. um, by putting on tariffs and then people turn to your local producers who aren't as efficient. It will lead to higher prices. Higher prices take money away from the poor more so than the rich. And they also d- distort the efficiency of any economy. So your returns on shares and so on also start to decline. And it becomes a huge problem um, for everybody. And I think that's where uh, Mr. Trump's making his biggest mistake mm-hmm. um, because I think it's not about China or Europe or whatever, but it's about everybody. You know, today, China is the manufacturing hub of the world, but America is the services hub and the, the IT hub of the world. Now, if the guy in China starts saying, all right, you're not doing this for me very nicely, thank you. I'll allow uh, Apple programs in China without you paying any a uh, thing back to Apple, um, and then South Africa says, I'm just using us as an example mm. now, we'll do the same. And then all of a sudden, you know, intellectual property rights will be infringed upon. What, what do you make of the argument, because this is an argument pro um, Trump's policies uh, that I've heard, which would be, okay, well, for example, when, the, when Germany tra- uh, uh, imports a car into the United States, the United States has said – there is no tariff or there's a very small tariff. There's a 5% tariff that they charge. But when America trans, uh, transports or exports a, a car uh, from Chevrolet or whatever it is into Germany, they get charged 30%. So Trump is only equalizing the difference. Trump is saying, well, it's not fair that you nail us 30 I know that this is bad economics, but it's not fair that you nail us 30%. We only nail you 5%. We're just equalizing the game. Okay. Let's first look at the facts here. In uh, broad terms, um, and I, I, I looked a long time ago, and tariffs have actually fallen since then. But if you look at the GATT round, uh, uh, the eighth round of GATT, which started the World Trade Organization, industrial tariffs for industrial countries fell to its lowest level of about 4%. Uh, that's what the, you know, in about a five year period. So that was then by the end of the nineties. Um, so yes, there are always one or two exceptions, and it might be that uh, German cars uh, or Germany protects its car industry a bit more as we do. Um, but ultimately, uh, tariffs are so low today, and it's you know the world goes around on that. And South Africa is one of those countries that has some strange tariffs too on um, clothing, clothing, yeah, clothing, and 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 cars as eighteen percent, I think. Electronics as well. Um, yeah. So, you know, we don't have much on trucks and buses, for example. So you can buy a 25-seater bus right now for less than a million rand. Imported from China. Um, you know, you, you could do a little school bus like that. Uh, 
to do that in three combis, you know, is going to cost you a heck of a lot more because there's a tariff on combis. So I think we've got to look at that sort of picture that generally mm. um, the the tariffs are lower. There are always exceptions. Yeah. And Mr. Trump is probably also right where the Europeans are very good. It's not the tariffs, but the non-tariff barriers. Oh, you've got swine flu. Oh, you've got this. Oh, you've got that. Yeah, you know, well, they, that's why Britain wants to leave the EU. There's a million and one regulations. Yeah, um, the, the EU does have a lot of uh, uh, regulations. I think Britain is though making a mistake because uh, you, you want to be part of the bigger picture and you must try and change that bigger picture. And I also think the World Trade Organization is the one organization of all the UN bodies, if I can call it UN bodies, the IMF, mm, the, mm. so on, where each country has one vote. And that's why those trade negotiations are so much harder and take so much longer, even to a point uh, ahead of it. Uh, I remember Pascal uh, was a huge uh, uh, thing getting him in. It was also the same with with, with other heads. Um, uh, so on. so each country has a same vote and the same power and those trade negotiations. So how you lead it and how you do it and what you do about it is, is, is on. But if you are the country with if, – if we remove all our tariffs mm. and, yes, our motor industry closes, we lose 34,000 jobs. We lose a few thousand uh, supplying there. But guess what happens? All of a sudden, your car prices drop with 20%. Many more people can afford cars. Mm. Maybe we become more efficient in other areas and we find other areas to export. Well, more people can afford cars means you need more mechanics to repair cars. Yeah. That's right. As and, an example. Or, or as more one job. And, and we might find something that we can export better like venison because the Europeans will stop us. You know, we can't compete on their chicken because their, their product is, is, is subsidized to the nth degree, the, the maize that those things eat, everything like that. And, uh, you know, you can't really, so on. But is we might be able to, to get, say, venison in yeah. because they didn't look, they don't have venison. So we, we might start thinking differently. And I think that's something, uh, for example, now the pig industry, um, has had a huge problem with listerosis, uh, if I'm saying it correctly. They, they, um, then lost a lot of sales in South Africa. Uh, at least somebody in the Department of Agriculture and Forestry uh, is trying to get them into Singapore and Taiwan where, you know. We can poison uh, the Asians. You can pay, poison <laughs> Asians. No, I don't think so, but they eat a lot of pork and yes. they, they haven't got the same restrictions. So I think they're helping there. So I think your worldview is, is much wider yeah. if you focus on the export market than sure. you. So is, is Trump uh, maybe pushing back against things that are reasonably unfair, but he's going about it in the wrong fashion? Well, yeah, I think, you know, somebody that's upsetting, uh, all these friends the whole time, I mean, uh, uh and, and placating his enemies, I, I, I sometimes think he's the best foreign minister that Russia's ever had. Yeah. But, uh, we could have a long debate yeah, on this, but, but, but I don't want to dump Trump or something here. I want to say there's certain things that he's doing right, lowering the tax, by, uh, taxes, and they are seeing tax revenues starting to increase, like they did mm. under Reagan. And specifically corporate taxes. Corporate was, was the major yeah, yes, lowering. Yes, yes. And, 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 and if you look Look at that. You know, you look at the states. Um, a, a small company in the states is somebody in South African terms that would have a 25, 30 million turnover. You know, it, it, it's really big or, mm. or it's, uh, it's even more. 
um, and, and you get a lot of tax benefits. Your tax rate at the max is 15% or something if you're a small company. It might mm. now be lower under. Uh, and then you go into South Africa where everybody pays 28%, but we give you off 300, uh, uh, a thousand rand or in turnover, you, you know, your first uh, part of it or whatever. It, it, it's ridiculous. It, you, you cannot compete in, in, in that environment. So in that sense, I think he's really making people sit up and take note. On the trade story, really, we, we are so dependent on trade. Mm. Um, you know, this thing, the cell phone, mm. uh, is parts that come from probably 20 countries, 30 can, and, and it's the most efficient and best parts that they can find. Yeah. Uh, the medicine, you just think, uh, 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 of all those things and, there are certain protections. Uh, you know, in medicine, after 20 years, your IP falls away and in some other places. But, and I don't agree with IP all the time, but people must have a return. But, you know, IP for musicians is longer. It's 50, 60 years. They still get the, the IP. Yeah. Um, well, Paul McCartney's are not rich enough, really. No, he isn't. And, um, Look, uh, great. I love the Beatles, but I'm saying, you know, there's certain rules that could be made easier for everybody. And I want people to get a return. Um, so, but if you're saying to people that whose lives depend on medicine, uh, they only get an IP of 20 years, uh, and then it's got to go for everybody because people's lives depend on it. Uh, I know music's lives don't depend on it, but it's not that much of a, of a risk those guys are taking. So why can't mm. we have IP for everybody at 20 years? And then let's leave it. You know, trademarks are different because you've got Coke. You put money in it every year and you do that. That's a different uh, uh, – some. But not something I've property, given a lot of thought to. Yeah, but those are the sort of things that are also discussed at a World Trade Organization level. And we don't always realize the complexities of it. But today, everything that you touch is not made in one country. I don't think the world can live – Right. Without world trade uh, and also trade uh, and services become absolutely. important, whether it's tourism um, or whether it's accounting services. You know, the, the, the guys that come and check our accountants are not people from South Africa, for example. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, Jonathan, you and I both agree this is bad Trump. Bad on, Trump. on the trade, absolutely. Yes. It's, it, it's, it's bad Trump. Bad Trump. And um, other than that, uh, yeah, he's been pretty good lately. Mike. Well, I don't know about you two. I need to run. Yeah, I need to get out of here as well. Mark, thank you. You've given us an hour and a half of your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, really insightful. Really, really insightful, especially the, uh, the, the difference in population, earnings, and things like that. Uh, even I wasn't aware of it, and I thought I was uh, relatively well informed, but um, it's been quite thank a revelation. You. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having Really me. appreciate it. So you can find Mark on Twitter at Mark Schussler. That's S-C-H and then U-S-S-L-E-R. Uh, always some interesting insights, and he... Uh, Pushes some buttons that uh, might get him into trouble one of these days, but so far, so good. Uh, as always, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Renegade underscore reports on Facebook. You can find Ramon at Roman Kabanak, myself at Jonathan underscore wit. And if you enjoyed the show, you're welcome to donate on Patreon. We always appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. Catch you next time. Cheers.
This is CliffCentral.com.